You know, one of the things that uh, nobody ever tells you, or at least I don't know, I, in, in the way it works out in my family, it, it was not told to me that when I would get 50, uh, certain things would be happening in my family, and then I'd watch, and, and it was like, and then you had these flashbacks. So I had a flashback moment last week. Can I tell you about it? Is that okay? So Last week uh, uh, at the wedding, um, of course, Mark and Susan Mason are now connected to us through marriage. Now, they, they started out here at Lighthouse. Uh, Mark and Susan are Matt's parents, and so we've known Matt his, you know, really his entire life. And so uh, Mark and Susan uh, were, had showed up at Lighthouse back in the early 90s. I think it was like 91, 92, something like that. And uh, Mark was a cop in Norfolk. And so they were, we had a new friend's lunch, and everybody... Uh, ever been to a new friend's luncheon here at Lighthouse? Haven't done them in a little while. We need to pick up, pick up the speed again here pretty soon. But new friend's luncheon is just a time when we would get together with new families that have come to Lighthouse and they can find out a little bit more about the church and how to get involved, that kind of thing. So Mark and Susan were there and their kids were running around. And, and so I sat down with Mark and Susan. I was a children's pastor. And, and so I saw this young family and I just kind of navigated over there and sat with them. And hey, Mark, what do you do? That's kind of my opening line. What do you do? You know, guys kind of relate about about their jobs, right? So so I start talking to Mark about what he does. He's a Norfolk cop, lives in Stonehenge, drives back and forth to Norfolk every day. And so I said, okay, well that's cool. What do you do? What do you do for fun? He says, well, I love to play guitar. He said, I I, I played in '80s rock and roll bands, you know, uh, all through that decade. And he said, I love to play guitar. So well, you need to meet our youth pastor. Our youth pastor is always looking for musicians. And so sure enough, Lauren Fetty connects with Mark Mason, and they end up in the, you know, putting the youth band together, and then Mark and Susan started their own uh, Christian rock band at that time, and, and that was the season when I first met Matt, um, when he would be in a baby, uh, baby seat sitting on the gym floor over there at about 110 decibels uh, of rock music going on around him all the time, and uh, so he just kind of like, it just got down in his bones, and now he, he's a singer. Um, so anyway, just realizing that, uh, that that one connection, now this is the flashback moment, that one connection in the gym over there in the verge with this young family is the connection that ended up becoming a marriage last weekend. Think about it. Right? And, then, and then what if I hadn't been here that day? Or what if I hadn't gone over to that table? What if I'd gone to a different table? Or what if, you know, you, you just don't know. Have you ever looked in your life and looked back over your shoulder at the pivot points, the mile markers, the, 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 the moments where it seemed like heaven touched earth? You know, if I hadn't made that decision, then I would have ended up here and wouldn't have, we wouldn't have done this and that wouldn't have happened and that wouldn't have happened. That's kind of one of those things that happened last week. And so I want you to listen to this message and this kind of an idea. You know, if something happens when I pray, something also happens when I don't pray. If something happens when I give, something also happens when I don't give. If something happens when I encourage somebody, something else happens when I don't encourage somebody. And so we're going we're gonna to look into the word today um, around this thought. It's worship unmasked. We're still talking about worship, but we're talking about what happens when we corporately come together. There's something more than just what happens when I worship the Lord this way. When I come together with other believers... 
We are together the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not only is my body the temple of the Holy Spirit, but collectively we as a house are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God wants each member to be encouraged by all the others. He, he has something for all of us today, but the point isn't to come in and see what I can get. The point is to come in and give away what I have. And by giving away what I have, somebody else is giving over my way. And, and we have this beautiful activity of the Holy Spirit in our midst as we function like the temple of the Holy Spirit. So uh, I want to get into the word. There's a lot of scripture in your notes, um, but I won't be reading it all. I'm just going to be uh, sharing a couple with you, but I, I know you're good readers. And so uh, you can get into uh, the ones there that I leave off. Okay. Um, so Here's the, here's the first one I want, to, I want to share in Acts chapter 13. Now, the reason I come, I think I probably preach from this text probably three times a year. And the reason is because I think it resembles Lighthouse the, the most closely of any text that speaks about a church um, in the New Testament. And so in Acts chapter 13, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And I'm going to, I'm going to do commentary as we go through this part of the text. Prophets and teachers, that means there was a multiplicity of gifts. There wasn't just a teacher, there was a prophetic gift as well. If you were to look at the fivefold ministry, the prophet and the teacher are, are polar opposites. The prophet and the teacher create tension in the house. The prophet, you know, it's been said that, uh, that if, if, if there's only the prophet, then we'll, then we'll blow up. If there's only a teacher, we'll dry up. So there needs to be this proper tension brought in the gifts. And so at this church, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, he was probably uh, of some note. He was probably a little bit famous. That's why they said he grew up with this, you know, with the ruler, you know. And, and so you had the ruling class and you had the no class. You had the middle class, you had the upper class. You had, you had different ethnicities, you know, I, I, I think it's a healthy sign of a church that you could have a millionaire sitting next to a homeless person. I think it's, I think it's possible that when you, you say, you know, who are we as a body um, and, and what can we, we all can get something from the word, but we don't all have to come from the same cross section in society that God has something for everybody while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So they were, they were involved in a multiplicity of spiritual disciplines. There was something that everybody could experience the disciplines, these spiritual disciplines that would cause them to grow. It wasn't just an excited worship church. Woo! No, these people would get down in and they would fast. How many of you have fasted before? If you've been at Lighthouse for very long, you've been exposed to our, our fasting disciplines around here, something we've done since 1997. We've done a longer fast somewhere in the year. Every year, when I say longer, I mean 21 to 40 days, somewhere along those lines. And we, and we do that every year. That's a part of the spiritual discipline of this house. And so here at Antioch, they were about worshiping and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them, to the work for which I, to which I have called them. So somebody was listening to the Holy Spirit. Somebody heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. They were having a prayer meeting. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And, and somebody, I, you know, I don't know who the first one was. I don't know who the, the lightning rod was, but somebody said, man, 
I just really feel like God's got something for these two guys. And that, and that he, wants us to, we, he wants us to free them up to do the thing that God's called them to do and maybe even support them. And somebody else said, you know what, I, I, man, I've been sensing the same thing in my spirit. Those guys are faithful around here. They work hard around here, and, and they really minister. You know what, we shouldn't keep them to ourselves. And I don't know really what it looked like. I'm just trying to put words to what that text says. But the Holy Spirit said something to the church, and the church said amen to it. They, the church didn't come up with the idea. The Holy Spirit came up with the idea. And the church said, it's a God idea. We got to go with it. Yeah, it there, there comes a time, sometimes in church life, what can happen for us is that we can have a lot of good ideas that we either get on board with or don't get on board with. But can I tell you, when you get a God idea, you either get on with it or you're disobedient. Oh, that was really weak. Maybe you're processing it. If you have a God idea, you got to get on with it or be disobedient. I, for one, don't want to be disobedient. There are some things that we should do and some things we must do. There's the should do's. You got some, you got some options. Then there's the must do. And then if you don't, if you don't do the must do, then that's disobedience. That, that, that's when you start to realize, okay, I'm not going to walk in the blessing of God that I want to walk in. And so the church has to say amen to what it is God's uh, commanded us to do. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Acts 15, 28 says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Now this passage is the council that uh, met, meets at Jerusalem to discuss whether or not the Gentiles were going to have to keep the Jewish rules of righteousness or whether they could just move in the freedom that, uh, that Christ was going to bring. And so this was a, a watershed moment in the life of the church because they were going to say either one, you, because Jesus was a Jewish Messiah, you Gentiles are going to have to become Jews and you're going to have to keep all of the feasts and you're going to have to, uh, you know, the, the ritual of circumcision is going to have to be implemented in your life. You're either going to have to keep the law or you're going to follow Christ in freedom. And so the early church had to grapple with this. And so they talked through what was happening. They talked through the activity of the Holy Spirit. Paul and, and Silas, Barnabas, uh, and John Mark, they came together and they said, what do we see God doing? What do we see God doing? Well, everywhere the gospel is preached, Gentiles and Jews alike are coming alive. People are repenting of their sins. People are, are moving over into this faith righteousness. Not righteousness by keeping the law, but faith uh, righteousness that comes from believing on the Lord. And so they decided, they said, it seemed good to us. Can you imagine? The entire doctrinal future of the church was set by a seemed good. It wasn't majority rules. It wasn't let's get up there and let's see, let's see, see uh, you know, how many votes we can get cast. They didn't cast lots at this point. This was, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit to do these things. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things Farewell. That was the, that was the note that, uh, that the apostles were to carry out to the churches to let them know. So the early church understood what it meant to listen to the person of the Holy Spirit 
and to bring things to pass and to say amen to it. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The church is the place where we move ourselves into agreement with the person of the Holy Spirit, and then we stick by that where we say amen to what God says. The church is the place where we, we bring our gifts together collectively, recognizing that God has given you a gift, but it's not for you. It's not for your own pride. It's not for your own elevation. It's for the edification of everybody else. Did you appreciate the gifts on the platform today? Come on, let's give them a hand. They did a fantastic job. Now, the, the first thing I want to tell you is that they didn't just wake up this morning and say, hey, I got a gift. I think I'll be on the platform at Lighthouse and play my gift today. Somebody's not gifted at turning off the hazer. We'll work on that. So the reality is that though they have a gift, they had to prepare it in advance, right? They had to use, they had to prepare in advance to present the gift. This just happened last week. Um, I, you know, I'm a guy that, uh, that has taken up kind of like the cooking mantle. Like when my kids were younger, Holly did the cooking. When my kids got older, Holly boycotted. <laughs> Holly went on strike. Holly did, I don't know, but anyway, so, uh, so we, uh, but I like it. She doesn't like it, I like it. So it was like, hey, this thing works, you know, I like to experiment. I like to go in the kitchen, look what's in the pantry, and say, hey, I'll figure this out. And, and you know, usually, I don't know, what would you say, honey, three out of five, five four out of, uh, you know, eight out of ten, how many times do I hit it? Five out of five, oh, <laughs> mwah, mwah, mwah. yeah. Anyway, most of the time it's edible. Um, now, what, uh, so, so what's happened over the years now, after a few years, I ended up starting making the turkey for Thanksgiving. Now, the, what, what's really scary about the turkey, right? Any of you cooks know this. What's scary about the turkey is everything's got to work, like especially on Thanksgiving Day. Like if that thing doesn't come out of there right, something's, you got problems, right? You know, you don't want that thing, you don't want that thing to be like some hockey puck. It's got to be, it's got to be flavorful. It's got to be juicy. Well, uh, on, so, the, so on the Wednesday, prior to uh, Thanksgiving, um, my, my oven started to go on the blink, like I started getting error messages across the top of the thing. I was like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. Now, if you know Ken Kramer, you know Ken Kramer's got a backup plan to his backup plan. So I have a smoker that I could actually put four turkeys in. Then I've got a Kamada Joe that I could, you know, that I could put a turkey in. So I got backup plans. That wasn't really the problem. But what, what occurred to me is, you know, why, why can't I just like do the turkey the day before? And, and it's supposed to rain on Thursday anyway. So I don't want to be out messing with a smoker. So, so the, the whole goal of that thing was, okay, let's go ahead. And I had two and a half turkeys to do. We had 20 or something people there at my house the other day. And, uh, and so we had, uh, you know, two and a half turkeys that, that had to make it happen. So, uh, so the advanced preparation was the key to this whole thing. Well, can I tell you that it's really not that much different when you come together at a worship service here at Lighthouse. A lot of gifts are prepared so that you can experience what you experience here at Lighthouse. A lot of gifts, a lot of time, 
A lot of energy, a lot of prayer, a lot of effort comes into this packed, you know, hour in the, at the 8 o'clock, an hour and a half, whatever, 15 minutes. We try to land at 11.15, doesn't always work. And, uh, you know, a lot of gifts, a lot of administrative, a lot of things went into that, you know, to make it happen for Sunday morning. And, and so a lot of times what happens is we can, like, get... We can get kind of lazy. We can kind of slip back into, oh, I'm just going to go to church and enjoy. And it's all for me. It's all for me. It's all for me. And that's okay when you're younger in the Lord. But the earlier you catch on to the fact that you are, in fact, a contributor to this house, and I don't mean financially. I mean, money's not enough. You can't develop your life with just financial gifts. You have to use what God put in your life to do. And so the preparation, just like for a, a Thanksgiving, so what happens on the thread, right? There's got to be some administrative, and I wasn't in on that. Okay, I know I'm doing the turkey in the grave. It's all I need to do. And then everybody else on the thread says, I'm going to bring this, I'm going to bring this, I'm going to bring this. And then the day of, what do they do? Here come the kids, man, and they got the size. We got the green bean casserole. Whoop, 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 whoop. We got the mashed potatoes. Thank you, Daniel Smith, for the mashed potatoes. And, uh, we, you know, all of the, all of the other elements come in to really make it what it was. And even Holland and Hadessa. How old are Holland and Hadessa? How? Eight. So the eight-year-olds brought in a ukulele and then two songs that they had written. And they were the entertainment. Come on, bring it, right? Bring it. And, and so everybody contributed to the, to the event. And God has put something in your life that if you will prepare yourself, when you show up on Sunday morning, you prepare in advance for Sunday morning. I prepare in advance for Sunday. I know you're saying, I'm, you're, pray, you're, you're paid for that. I am paid for that. You know? And I live with the text from Tuesday until Sunday. You know, I read the word every day, but the text for Sunday is going to be in my soul stirring around all week long. Now don't ask me about it on Monday. Monday, I've, Monday is the day after I just delivered that baby. Don't ask me if I want to get pregnant on Monday with a word. I've got to wait a day. Tuesday we'll talk, but not Monday. Not Monday. So here's the reality. You and I have to prepare ourselves to come to the house of the Lord right? Week after week, if, if you, just imagine that if you showed up every family Thanksgiving uh, dinner and you didn't bring anything year after year after year after year, after a while, you might get uninvited. You're a spiritual mooch. Touch your neighbor and say, no moochers here. Everybody needs to contribute. Everybody needs to have something that they can offer, that they can bring to the table in the house of the Lord, right? And so, it's getting quiet in here. Prepare yourself for the gathering ahead of time. You, can, you need to ask yourself, you know, maybe it's a Saturday night before you come in on Sunday morning. What am I bringing to church? What am I clothing myself in? You know, sometimes having something that, uh, you know, there was a day when we dressed up a little bit more for church and, uh, and, you know, we'd lay the clothes out and everything. We know what we we're going to wear the next day. You know, when you get ready, when you get prepared, you start thinking about Sunday, you know, Sunday morning. You need to be asking yourself, okay, how am I going to prepare myself for Sunday morning? Am I going to clothe myself with Thanksgiving? 
Am I going to clothe myself with joy? What's, my, what, what's the theme that the Holy Spirit's stirring around in my heart? Maybe I want to talk about the faithfulness of God. Maybe he's ministering that to me. Well, I minister out of the overflow of whatever the Holy Spirit's talking to me about right? So if, I, if, if he's been talking to me about uh, my faithfulness, if he's been talking to me about serving, there's going to be a verse in there. There's something stirring around in my heart. And I come prepared to share it. Just like I challenged you at the beginning of the year with the 2020 challenge, the 22nd prayer, the $20 bill. Have something to give away. Look after one another. That's how we strengthen one another. That's how we become stronger. We don't become stronger because we come in and sit and soak. We get stronger because we come in and we give away what we have. We come in and release what it is that the Lord has given to us. God is speaking to you all week long. God's talking to you. God's putting something in your soul, and he wants you to deliver that thing, uh, and it just happens to be Sunday morning. It works out for us, but there may be other times throughout the week that he'll put somebody in your mind to minister to. You know what? Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and encourage them. I bet they haven't had too much encouragement this week anyway. Oh, you've been encouraged too much this week? I'm sorry. What? Oh, yeah, you're my 50th compliment this week. Oh, yeah, I don't need 51. You ever said that? Ever heard that? No. You know, I feel like the, the Holy Spirit wants, to, wants me to share something with you. And, and you just test this. You just try this on. If it's to strengthen, encourage, and comfort, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit is involved with that. Secondly, come into his presence ears first. I'll, I bring this up because this was a, a conversation that I actually heard Mike Mills say to one of his kids. Uh, we were over there years and years ago when the kids were real little. And, and as you know, sometimes adults will be hanging out and then the kids burst into the room, you know, and interrupt whatever the uh, adults are doing. And uh, my kids were still on the way and I was always looking to be a better dad. And so I heard Mike say, wait, 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 wait. Come into the room ears first. Come into the room ears first. You know, and, uh, and I thought, oh, I, I need to take some notes here. You know, I need to, I need to uh, uh, you know, implement that in my house. And, and a lot of times what happens is, you know, when this is, this is kind of a balance to that, what is, the, what is the word that the Lord is giving you for a person? But when you come to Lighthouse, come into Lighthouse with your ears first. What's the Holy Spirit saying today? What's he saying to this house? What's unique about the ministry here in this house? A lot of times when I meet people for the first time, of course, they gush about how great you guys are, and we talk about Lighthouse and, and, and what God is doing here, and, and then they'll begin to proceed to tell me about the last church that they came from and how sometimes how great it was, and I love to hear that, and then sometimes how it wasn't great, but we did this one thing well, and you need to implement it here. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Let's do this. Why don't, why don't you run alongside of us for a while? And if, it, if that seems like something that the Holy Spirit wants to do here, then, then we'll talk about that. But come in with your ears first. Come in and, and, and say, Lord, what are you saying to this house? What are you doing in this house that's unique? This, we, we are not, we, we might be less than an eighth of a mile from First Baptist, but we are worlds apart from that, that, their style of ministry, their way of doing ministry. And I love Ward Warren. He's a great brother. But you know what? The, the, the thing that God is doing here is totally different from how he's doing it just an eighth of a mile that way a quarter mile that way it's just God's got a unique thing that he does with every church 
And so we got to show up with our ears first, and we got to say, Lord, what are you doing? Can I tell you, there, there are metaphors that the Lord has described us as over the years. One of those is incubator, that lighthouse is an incubator, um, an incubator where, where things, uh, that, that, that conception has happened, but the things are not ready to take off yet, but, but ideas are birthed here, and ministries are birthed here, and first songs are sung here, and first prayers are prayed here, and first sermons are preached here. There's a unique atmosphere for that to happen. Let me tell you, if we were, if we were all about uh, absolute perfection on Sunday morning, and that things were rigid, and it had to be done a certain way, we couldn't be an incubator. It wouldn't work that way. But because we, we, have, we, we carry an atmosphere of grace where people can come and discover, they can learn, they can figure it out, you know, and I'll, I'll just say it like this. Hey, you know, the, the gutter rails are up. The training wheels are on. This is the laboratory of the Holy Spirit. We're all just trying to figure it out here. You know, stuff that I firmly knew Knew, I knew 15 or 20 years ago. I don't even know that anymore. Isn't that tr- hey, if that hasn't happened to you, you ain't grown up yet. That's what you learn after you know everything that really matters. I used to know everything. Oh, I'm glad I don't. Right, so you and I got to get to that place where we say, you know what, we we've, we've got to uh, we've got to allow. This is an incubator. This is the the you know this is the training wheels around. We can figure this thing out. You know you don't you don't have to do it perfect every time. You know uh, somebody said, well, I, I didn't like the sermon that the last sermon you did. That's okay because the best one is yet to come. Wait till next week. Right, it'll be thirty thousand and one. Yeah. Come into his presence, ears first. What, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to the house? To move into maturity, we have to recognize that the work of God is bigger than just me. Remember, it's better to be a small part of something big than a big part of something what? Small. Don't build your kingdom. Instead, build his kingdom. What is God saying to this house, and how can I be a part of it? How can I hold that up? How can I participate with what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to do? Um, you know, just a word about that, that perfection thing a minute ago. I used this at the end of the sermon, but I'm going to use it in the middle this time. Uh, you know, there was, a, there was a study that was done, and this, this uh, little study was found in Atomic Habits, a book that I read a while back. And uh, there was a photographer, uh, a photography class that was being taught, and the instructor uh, gave, he divided up the class into two different groups. And the people in the one group, he said, I want, uh, I want you to study, I want you to think, I want you to take pictures, but I only want to see one, I want to see the perfect picture. I want you to get it exactly, exactly right. So, so your, your final grade is going to be based on one perfect picture, one. And then he goes over to the other side of the class and he said, I want you to take a minimum of 150 shots and I want you to do everything that you can. And, I, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick the best from all of those shots that you show me. And so the, the same, same instructor, the, 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 same, uh, the same material that they were taught, 
And at the end of the time, uh, the, the study turned out like this. There was no discernible difference between the group that said, I got to have one perfect picture and the ones that took 150 because what happens is as you practice, you refine. Oh, I didn't get the light right that time. I'm going to get it right this time. The focus is a little off. Oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. As you practice, as you use what you have, you improve. It just works that way, right? Right? How do you how do you do anything well? Ten thousand hours, ten thousand hours, ten. You know how do you perfect what you're doing? Just keep going at it, keep after it. And this is the way God does with our gifts. He wants to talk to you, and He wants you to learn to release that gift. He wants you to bring it, come in, show up yours first, and say, "What contributes to the ministry of Lighthouse today? What contributes to the the needs of this family today? What can I do? Offer that." gift. Offer it. Bring it. Number three, don't leave until you share what God has given you to release. Don't leave. Don't leave. Somebody once said it this way, a a theologian, by the way, he said, every gift from God is a subpoena of the Holy Spirit to present it when there's a need. Every gift of God is a subpoena of the Holy Spirit. Why would God give you a gift? It's not for you. It's for somebody else. Why would God give you a message? You're just a messenger. Oh, it's so that I can put that message up on the shelf and just admire it. I remember when God gave me that message. Messages that are not heard are no good at all. And words of encouragement that are not spoken do no one any good at all. You know, and so we have to be those people that contend for this thing. If the Holy Spirit speaks a word of encouragement to you, you need to share it. If you think it, you need to share it with somebody. You know, I was I, I was uh, uh, probably about three weeks ago on Facebook. I've got this one uh, this one thought that I need to share with somebody. I was reading something that was totally unrelated, and but this this uh, person was doing a bunch of writing, and I thought, man, they are a good writer. And I thought, I need to tell them that. I just need to tell them they're a good writer. I, you know, it blesses me when I read their writing. And do I have an ulterior motive? Yeah, we got tribe writers. We need good writers around here. But beyond that, that person would get encouraged to know that somebody appreciated uh, things that, that they've written. So don't leave until you share what God has given you to release. Um, that just happened this morning. That word about the migraine, that was Mike Mills came in at the 8 o'clock service. I'm talking about Mike a lot today. Um, but, uh, but he came in at the 8 o'clock service and he said, man, I knew I had a, a word from the Lord, but I felt like it was for the 10 o'clock service. I said, you know, drop that thing and go. And so Daniel shared it and he was released to be able to go. Um, practice over and over and don't ever stop learning. You know, everybody has something that, that God can use them to contribute. I think one of the reasons why our kids, um, you know, don't actually enter into the life of the body is because we don't let them. We don't put the tools in their hands. How, how young is, is, uh, is young enough to, to learn how to contribute to others? Well, how, how young are your kids when they start to sweep the floor? How young are your kids when they start to help cook or they start with the chores around the house? How young are they? As soon as they, you, you can teach them how to minister when they're very, very, very young and it becomes part of their life. And, and so, you know, we need to do this in the body of Christ because a lot of times kids think, well, ain't nobody on that platform except that hey, if you got to be over 18 to do anything there. 
You know, I'm thankful that when I was a 17-year-old screwed-up punk that got saved, that Mount Hope Baptist Church gave me a family and let me mess up. You've, I've heard, you know, I've told you the story before. They said, we're going to have a, we're, we're going to, uh, all the young people are going to go to the pool. And, you know, everybody showed up and uh, dressed the way they were supposed to be except me. I was the brand new 17-year-old, show up with Speedos. And I'm sure all the young people, all the teenagers are going, oh my gosh, get that guy out of here. But they showed me mercy and they showed me grace, right? They all had their jams on down to their knees. I'd never been to a church pool party. I didn't know, right? But, but I'm thankful for a church that would, that would let me show up the way I was going to show up and express grace to me and was a family to me, right? Let me tell you, if young people show up here with hats on, it's okay. Don't mess with them about their hat. They came to church. Do you know how hard we have to work to get young people in church? I don't care how they show up. Just get them to show up. Right? And so we've got we've to we've recognize that the way people experience the love of God is by the way we express the love of God. And if there ain't no love of God expressed, then it, they have every right to question whether there is any. Because we haven't expressed it. Right? So make sure that you prepare yourself ahead of time. Show up with your ears first and don't leave till you release what the Lord has put in your life. Here's some challenges and then we're going to close. Um, <clears throat> you're going to love this. Meet new people every week and find out one thing about them you didn't know. Meet new people every week. And all the introverts just crawled under the table. Meet new people every week. There are, you know what, the, the reason why we introduce ourselves, and I didn't introduce myself this morning, shame on me, but usually in any given service, there's five or six people, and online there's probably way more than that, that don't know who's on the platform. They don't know me. I've been here 30-some years. They don't know me because we've never been introduced. We've never been introduced if they showed up for church because I didn't introduce myself. And, and so meet, meeting new people every week just immediately warms things up. You know, studies will tell you, people that have looked at this stuff, that if people don't know at least seven people in that church, they won't keep coming back. So they might meet me, but I'm not the most important equation. They decided by the time they got into the foyer whether or not they were going to ever come back because they crossed paths with four or five people who wouldn't even look them in the eye. Are you with me? So we ought to be meeting new people every week because, you know, uh, there's probably five or six that you've never seen before that we need to uh, rub shoulders with. Pray a 20-second prayer with somebody every week. Somebody's going to start, how's it going this week? Well, I had a rough week. What can I pray with you about? You say, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to pray out loud, Pastor Ken. Then just bow your head and pray quietly. You can do that, right? Start, start this way. Lord, I thank you for so-and-so. What was your name again? How do you spell that? Bob. Okay. And then, and then you begin by thanking God for them, thanking God for his plan for them. Speak a blessing over them. Pray a 20-second prayer every week. Ask God to give you a scripture for someone this week to encourage them. You know, the, the safest way to start to learn to minister is to always to minister with the word of God. Why? Because the word of God never returns void. 
right? So chapter and verse, when you, you know, Paul, Paul gave his young uh, disciple Timothy the instruction, uh, give yourself to the public reading of scripture, read it out loud. There's something that happens in the heavenly realms and in our, in a, in our cranium when we speak the word of God. You just speak the word of God, you just read that verse out loud, and things are going to shift around. And so you just pray and say, God, give me a scripture for so-and-so. And, and you don't have to know the whole book, you just need to know that one verse, right? Hey, I was reading this verse and I, I felt like it was for you and I'm just going to share it and leave it right there in their hands. You say, well, you know, I don't know if I have any other gift. You can open your mouth and speak the word, right? You say, well, what about the gift of healing? You may not know if you have the gift of healing. You may have the gift of healing and not even know it. You know why? Because you won't pray for anybody. Well, I'm not the healer anyway. Jesus is the healer. What does James say to do? Pray. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. You don't have to go pronouncing people healed. I'll let the doctor pronounce them healed. All I have to do is pray. I'm just there to pray. And when I pray, God moves, right? If I pray and something happens, and if I don't pray, something else happens. So we have to decide what what part of this that we're going to participate in, right? So friends, this is how we move in maturity. If a church is going to grow up, it's because every member, every part is ministering. Every part of us here has a part to play. You know, now you are the body of Christ and each one of, a, of you is a part of it. There has been grace given to you. So release that grace. And here's the beautiful part about releasing grace is it just keeps increasing the more you give it away. This is how God does it. It just keeps increasing. So let's stand and I'm going to pray a blessing on you and we're going to get out of here today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my brothers and sisters today. Lord, I pray for them that they would in fact be like Jesus who prepared in advance for our salvation, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world was, you had made a way, you prepared a way. Lord, you heard the groaning of your people. You heard the pain and suffering. You heard what it was that was going on in our lives. You knew that we needed a Savior, and you didn't quit until you released salvation in the earth. God, I pray that we would be just like Jesus in that. That we would recognize, Lord, that tomorrow somebody's going to have a bad day, but you've already given a word. I love that passage in Isaiah that says the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. If you're weary here right now, the Lord has a word for you. The person of Jesus, you can call on his name today. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest you say, I don't know if that's for me. Are you tired? It's for you. Are you weary? It's for you. He is for you today. He is for you. He is the word. Jesus, I just pray for my brothers and sisters today that you would release life in their hearts as they stop trying to do it on their own, as they stop trying to figure it all out and they trust, they just simply trust you. 
God, that you would show yourself strong to them. God, I pray that gifts would begin to manifest in our hearts and minds that we didn't know that we had. Lord, that there are going to be, uh, there are going to be teachings, there are going to be devotionals, there are going to be uh, thoughts that we've never had before. Let them bubble up on the inside of us, Lord. I pray for those, Lord God, that, uh, uh, that, f- that have just uh, faith for circumstances that they wouldn't know, Lord, that they would just have a gift of faith. Lord, they would walk into a situation that looked impossible and faith would rise up in their heart and say, no, it's not going to turn out that way. It's going to turn out this way. And God, that they would know that they know that they know. I pray for an, op- uh, an activation of the gift of faith in this house today. I thank you, Lord God, that you are raising up in this house teachers and leaders. Lord, you're raising up those, Lord God, those gifts of hospitality. Lord, that was in my heart today. Lord, so much of the time that evangelism doesn't happen because hospitality didn't happen first, Lord. Father, I just pray for those with the gifts of hospitality, Lord, that they would be energized, Lord God, to bring people to the table and just express that love, Lord God, that causes the life of Jesus to be seen around somebody's dining room table. We thank you for that today. Father, I I thank you for blessing your people today in the name of Jesus. Amen.